0: you Radio Kampse 729 AM. Visit us bij
1: Into Me, See A place where we learn about deep connection
0: With yourself, those close to you And with God In our program we deal with reality, restoration and redemption in the face of addiction. We uncover intimacy as seeing into me and the role it plays in healthy, authentic, and thriving relationships.
1: In our 38 years of marriage, our understanding of intimacy has grown incredibly. I am Frederick Wools.
0: And I am Suki Wools. Even after all those years of growing in intimacy, we still have our challenges. Mm -hmm. In our roles as licensed counselors, we continue to learn about the crucial role of intimacy and relationships.
1: Yes, and with the rapid development of technology, there are so many distractions such as our phones, uh, the internet and gaming that lure us into a virtual world, away from face-to-face intimate connections in the here and now. And that in turn impacts our intimacy with others, with God, and ourselves.
0: Because of these distractions many people fall into the trap of process and substance addiction as a substitute for intimate relationships with God, others and themselves.
1: Yes so please join us as on our journey we travel into greater intimacy and connection especially with those closest to us.
0: Last week we spoke about our own experience of how addictions and wounds impacted our intimacy with ourselves, with God, and of course how that influences our relationship with others.
1: Now, this week we are going to be we are talking to Chet Mulman about his addiction and the impact his it had on his relationship, his intimacy with himself and with God. Khat is a counselor and walked a journey with people that are struggling with addiction. Very welcome, Chet.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Frederick Suki. Thank you for having me. It's such a privilege.
1: Mm, yeah, I'm always amazed, you know, of how God orchestrates the way people meet. I mean, I was counseling a young man that said that he knew another counselor that is also a Christian and a Christ follower and that we should meet. And there we met and um, when we met and we heard each other's stories, it was just amazing how similar our stories were, and even though we struggled with different types of addictions. So, Chad, um, as you look back, when and how did your addiction start?
2: Thank you, Frederick. Yeah, just to pick up on what you just said, I think it's almost beautiful. It's so beautiful to see this kind of spiritual synchronicity about how people meet and why.
1: Mm.
2: Um, the way things started, I. Think I think uh, I'm pretty sure since I can remember, I've, I've always been interested in kind of an altered state of mind or being, so to speak. Um, I think it, it stems from the fear of, um, being disconnected, the insecurity of not being connected to God, um, whether it was, um, knowingly or not, subconscious or not. Mm. But I've always been curious about that. In early recovery, I think I wasted a lot of time trying to figure that answer out, mm, mm. you know, as to why, why did this happen, but um, we'll, we'll probably get to that.
1: Yeah, so it, it sounded like to me that you were going into a fantasy world, that you were escaping the current uh, realities. Am I summing it up correctly?
2: Yes, at the same time, I, I didn't grow up in an environment, if you had to look from the outside, you would think, but you wouldn't have to escape that, you know, I, I grew up in a loving Balanced, uh, environment. Mm. And, um, but there was something different. Uh, you quite often hear people in recovery saying, I've always felt different. And I, I, I used to think that that referred to the ego, that I'm better or unique and so forth. But there's a difference. And, um, I couldn't put my finger on it. That mm. it, it turned into a self-medication, as you say, escaping into another place. Um, an altered state of being mm, mm, that so was, since early, early childhood.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ghat, I don't know your story. Maybe you can just tell us uh, when did the addiction start and what uh, what is the addiction?
2: So I'm free from it. Um, you know, God stepped in between myself and alcohol and drugs mm. uh, close to 15 years ago. But I think the experimentation started early, early, um, but I never used, so I would be curious as to what would happen if I breathed this substance in uh, in the kitchen or whatever. But eventually, uh, it actually started to show itself with, um, at the age of 17, 18, uh, going to parties, and um, the way I drank was different. Um, I now understand how addiction works, that there's something called the the uh, the phenomenon of craving and uh, mental obsession uh, and this is a disease and it's not a moral deficiency
0: mm. or,
2: or weakness as a person so it started um as a uh, late teenage years uh, I I'm still from the um environment or the age group that did two years military service uh, at really flower day but uh, mm. and um But I didn't understand why I went through this, why I acted like this. So it led to a lot of anxiety, a lot of question. uh, Why am I like this? The prayers that kind of went through me in those days were, what's wrong with me?
0: Mm. You were a Christian already when it started?
2: I grew up in a Christian home, um, yes. And um, I was exposed to... Uh, penetrance, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) and I I grew up in an environment where the people around me followed Christ. Yeah, Um,
1: Mm.
2: I was still wondering what that was
0: about. And how long were you in the addiction before you started realizing um, it was taking hold of you?
2: That's a good question. I would say, um, in the beginning, it looked like everybody else, and I would say it to myself it became clear within five years or so right through my denial that I could actually start wondering about uh, why why am I acting like this? This is different. Mm,
1: mm.
2: But it then still carried on for uh, 15 more years Mm. with that knowledge. Mm. So Mm. one of the things that I've learned is that self-knowledge does not make a difference in my approach to my problem.
0: Can you explain what you mean by that?
2: So it's I've, I've noticed working with people as a spiritual counselor and as an addictions counselor, people quite often come and see me to look for a solution because up, if he's an addict, up to that point, the solution is the drug or the solution is alcohol. The alternative solution is God. These mm. are the only two alternatives. Mm. And sometimes people come... To gain information about what is addiction, what is wrong with me, and they sometimes get to the point where they would they, they tempted to say, "Well, thank you very much. now that I know all of this,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'll be sure not to make this mistake. Thank That's you true. I've got it from you mm. so I think i don't know if that explains it, but I got to the point where I thought the more information I gained reading up about addiction, speaking to people, telling them about my problem. The self-knowledge didn't really gain much. Uh, I wasn't close to surrender yet.
1: Mm. So, so Gert, obviously it's very, very clear that um, all your self-knowledge and all the knowledge that you gained and information that you gained about alcoholism and, and so forth, it didn't help you to actually see the reality in your own life, and what it is really like. Um, so, so how yeah. do you think the addiction uh, impacted the way you saw the realities in your own
2: life? I think people saw it. People around me first saw it. And I think that's quite often what happens. Um, we get family members that are concerned and loved ones. And um, the way it impacted and how I saw my reality, to my memory, Since very young, there's been this tension between inferiority and grandiosity, but there was nothing Mm. in between. That if it wasn't perfect, it was absolutely terrible in my mind. Mm. So, um, I would quite often go for things that I was not necessarily, um, talented to do, uh, but eventually, but, and then maybe fail and see that as a, as a huge, huge failure. Mm. So there was this thing between. Um, it was difficult for me to identify my own reality. Um, I was looking and uh, to to my my religious beliefs as well. You know, I would pray, but it really felt that uh, there was a block, and mm. there was. I now find out in recovery what was you know what was in between God and myself, and I belong to a twelve step program which helps me identify that and remove these character defects. Oh. Um, so yes, it was very unclear. Reality, I was trying to do escape reality, I wasn't trying to figure it out.
0: Mm, exactly. Um, so Gert, what did your relationship, you, you, you mentioned it, you touched on this topic now a little bit, but can you tell us more about your relationship with God while you were in active addiction? How did it affect that?
2: Oh, it was fraught with, with uh, guilt and shame. It was, mm. a, it was a pretty fragmented mm. relationship. Um, I would have moments of peace and joy, um, that I felt connected and then attempt to hold on to those moments of light during times of darkness. Um, because I knew there were, there were little incidences where I was just removed enough from, from the addiction to actually, it's almost like opening a door a little bit and there was light shining in and I knew there was, there's a God. I knew there's the answer is out there, there. The real answer is out there. Um, so it had a massive impact, um, because then the addiction will come into full swing and it's the door gets closed. Mm, so mm. the attempts become more. Um, I, I would attempt much more and, and try harder and pray harder and, and then the results mm. would decrease, which leads to more tension and anxiety. Mm, so mm. this whole thing almost feeds into itself.
1: Uh, Juch, that is so important Gerrit, what you are saying there there were times when I had a wonderful quiet time in the right. mornings and that afternoon I would act yes, out exactly. on my yeah. addiction and I was wondering, you know, the separation uh-huh. between your addiction and your spirituality uh, for me it was a big divide, how was it for you?
2: Yeah, I also experienced that with Frederick. um I think when you look at the nature of addiction, um, if I look at myself and the history of that, there wasn't a particular set of circumstances that would set me, set me off. It didn't have to be that I was down and depressed or elatedly happy because both of them would still end up in the same result and that would be me maybe sitting in a bar thinking, how, how did I end up here again? Mm. So yes, I would also have mornings where there's time when I have a, uh, intimate time with, with God and, and He reminds me that He loves me and I'm here my child. And I get a relief and maybe that leads to the, the using today, but tomorrow there'll be another reason. Mm. There'll always be a reason to start using again because it's, it's not a solid ongoing Um, authentic Mm. relationship Mm.
0: with god Mm. yeah yeah i also hear a lot about performance where you talk about you would praying harder and trying more and Mm. but in the process which is so beautiful to me it's so comforting to me to know that god also pursues us you know sometimes we feel we yes. pursue him and we try to move closer to him and it doesn't feel like we can connect because we keep struggling with that sin that's between us and him and we cannot get the breakthrough but the beauty is that god pursues us he continues to pursue us maybe not in the way we think it should happen so if you look back um can you see that god pursued you during those times
2: oh absolutely um uh, the first thing that comes to mind uh, back then is that I knew, know now and knew for sure as it was happening that uh, loved ones and family members were earnestly and diligently praying for me. I knew that, always knew that. It's almost like I knew that there will be an out. I just need to find it. I just need to find that door again. Mm. Um There was a bit of tough love uh, involved as well from family mm. members, which I needed at the time. Um and the other beautiful thing that happened just before I I handed it over and I surrendered everything to God mm. was I realized that he kept me um, separated and away from my, my wife until just the right moment. I mm. had to become whole first before um, I could meet her.
1: um, this is a wonderful time that we can take a break (laughs) after the break we're going to be coming back and we could continue this conversation thank you very much
2: all right
1: sure thank you Uh, that was a great break uh you were you you used a word two words over there that were very very important tough love what did what did that look like, and, and could you like describe the difference between tough love and somebody just trying to fix you? What were your experiences yeah. with that?
2: Thank you, Frederick. Yeah, my direct experience in tough love was a, a family member, my sister, we were always very close, and there was a wedge driven in between us because of my addiction. And in this case, it's a caring family member that applied tough love in the sense that you know what, I'm taking your number off my phone, there's the gate. Um, I don't want to talk to you again before you sort your life out. And the be- before you sort your life out, the beauty of it is that the day before I prayed for a sign to be shown sure <laughs> that I need to look into this and that I will make a change if this is true. So as I turned around and walked away, I had a smile on my face. I think hmm. the difference where a family member is just trying to fix you is they are getting a reward and there's more of a need on their side as well, or there's a bit of both. In this case, um, it was administered, um, maybe unbeknownst to my sister, but it was from God. And mm. he told me, um, go ahead, we need to do this. I'm, I'm with you.
1: Mm. You know, that uh, those things that we call fixing, um, we often refer to that as codependency. And uh, that, that is when the person who you're in a relationship with, is trying to fix you um, so that they can feel better in the relationship. Um, Correct. Did you have people like that in uh, in relationship with you?
2: Unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> I think because I was broken, I would attract people that was also looking for pieces in me that could fix them.
1: Mm, 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 and
2: mm. I would say that almost 90% of any relationships that I was involved in either being platonic or uh, romantic would be to find something in that person to make me a better person mm. and vice versa, probably quite often. Um, so that was toxic and it was really something that led to never really uh, any, any healthy a separation, or even while it was happening, mm. this relationship would be incredibly draining, um, f- full of guilt and and shame, actually, mm. because people, uh, both of us, would bring so much in from the
0: past. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to us a bit more about what, uh, practically, what did it look like? Maybe if you can remember one specific relationship, you don't need to say who it was, but what did, uh, the dynamics of that relationship, how did it play out?
2: Okay, I need to be careful, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> you used the word performance earlier. Yes. So I, I was uh, involved with somebody that would uh, interpret love on performance, um, coming from a broken home, she would get um, a lot of compliments when she was doing academically or uh, while well in the academics or in sport. Um, so I think for it was difficult to understand how to receive love, uh, that, that love was more peace-driven than performance-driven. Mm-hmm. So if, if I struggle to, to know how to receive it, it's also for me difficult to give love. So right. the way that she then gave love to me would be if, the, if I do things around the house. Or she ended up doing, never sitting still, mm. uh, doing little tasks and mm-hmm. running around and so on. So you, it's heartbreaking for both parties in that case.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned something um, that I think is really apt about um, the dynamics in the relationship and that broken people attract broken people. And so, in my role as a counselor, I often work with partners of addicts because that was my role um, you know that was what I had grown up in with Frederick being an addict addict, and my mom um, was also uh, in a relationship where my dad was an alcoholic, and she kind of helped him so yeah. I'm very kind when I speak about codependency because I understand Mm -hmm. how hard it is and how subtle it is and how right it seems to be. Um, Even for me when I really started following Jesus with my whole heart, it strengthened my codependent beliefs because I thought I had to help this person Um, and that's how I grew up. I had seen it being played out in front of my eyes and I thought it was my responsibility as a Christian, um, as a loving wife, to help my husband with this addiction. What would you say about this?
2: Oh, it sounds very familiar. You then become the rescuer. Exactly. Um, the problem is, I don't think we see that we're now stepping into God's position. Yeah, we're starting to play God. Um, so true. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna fix this person. Mm. Um, I, I remember my, my. I'm, I'm now married, and we'll probably get to that later. But my relationship really strengthened when I stopped focusing on how can I help and how can I contribute and am I enough? And God said to me, leave my child alone and focus on me. Mm? And we both started doing that and it became, uh, just naturally became much more stronger um, uh, marriage full of life and and, uh, promise and momentum.
1: Exactly. uh, That's Uh, uh, thank you, Chad. Uh, what I hear is when somebody started doing things differently, that's when the change came in. So just looking back on those what you called what we called a codependent relationships, the fixing relationships, what was the outcome of those type of relationships? Of course, you used the word, a word wedge between yourself and your sister. How how did those relationships work out?
2: In 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 using time when I was using all my relation, I, I don't think there was one healthy relationship. Mm. Um, because people were either worried, concerned, angry. There was always some emotion attached that was uh, that would broaden about shame and guilt. Mm. Um, you know, you have a loving, praying mother, but she lies awake at night. She's worried about you. Mm. So, uh, but I think you're referring to relationships that came to an end, yes? Yeah. So, yeah, those would not be a pretty sight, surely. Um That I would, one of the things I learned in the recovery, that I, I, I can either insist on being right, or I can be happy. I, mm. I don't think I can be both. Mm. So in those days, i um would insist that it's not my fault, and um, this wouldn't have happened if etc where now I realize that there's so much more leeway if i don't have if i'm not set in my ways if i don't have a way mm. things and 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 I let and my way is the way that's being led by God, and he shows the light mm. I will not have this uh immense amount of conflict and friction mm. um, Yeah, thank you. And space to perform. Mm, Again, mm, space to perform.
0: (laughs) Right. So, the next program, we're really going to get into the recovery relationship and how that everything became different Uh, intimacy with yourself, with God, and with others. But just as we're closing this program today, can we look back again to the obstacles? that that were in the way of seeing yourself at that time the way you were and how that affected your relationship with God?
2: Yes, Suki. Um, the the obstacles uh, for me, I think, was a fear of discovering that I'm not good enough mm. um, and um, that I would look, and if I really had to go look there, I would realize what everybody could see. That's what was going on in my mm. head. Um, and And... Just this week, I was led to Scripture 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16, that says, But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Mm. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, Mm. emancipation from bondage, and true freedom. And that is the difference that now I feel fully awake to God, to others, and to myself. Mm. These are things that came about with with, uh, step work, you know, looking at resentment and fear and people we've harmed and so forth. So Mm. I hope that answers that
0: question. Right. Next time we're going to get into the recovery part, and then you can tell us a lot more about that. Mm. But but for now, (laughs) yes, yes, for now we Mm. just... um, want to thank you for being with us.
1: Mm. Ghet, i I just wondered about something uh, that you were also sharing a little bit earlier and that somebody said you need to sort your life out. How did
0: that go? <laughs> Frederick doesn't want to end. <laughs> I think
2: if I didn't pray... For such a harsh comment the day before, it would have gone worse. (laughs) (laughs) So it went very well because that was the day my recovery So it was very close to the day my recovery started.
1: And what efforts did you make to try and sort yourself out?
2: uh, Initially, I uh, I I started, well, it started way before that. I would go and see a a medical doctor or I would go um, to a clinic, talk Mm. to people. But people just affirmed what I already knew. People affirmed that I had a problem, <laughs> and I went there with a problem and I wanted to know what to do. So the people I spoke to were trained to identify what was what was amiss, I think or what was wrong. Mm. so um, effort from my side was driven eventually by alcohol and drugs, and these things those, those things were my solution. They were mm. not people from the outside would look at it and say that 's the problem. But that was my solution.
0: Um, mm, mm, mm,
2: and God mm. is now the solution. There's only mm. the two options. So eventually, I became desperate enough to, and I, I suppose we'll talk about that next week, to to really surrender 100% mm. and um, put it all on the table, so to speak.
0: Okay, as we... But conc- it wasn't
2: a, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, it wasn't really my doing. It, it was uh, a road that I had to get to where God could step in between me and this uh, problem.
0: Okay, as we conclude now this time, really get it right to finish (laughs) off, um, I want to ask you, anyone that's listening right now who is an addict and is struggling um, to stop, to to do the right thing, what what would you say to that person? Um, Maybe feeling God is speaking to you, what Mm. would you say to that person?
2: I think practically people need to realize they're not alone. You don't, you, you are not alone. You don't have to go through this alone. There are places to contact. There are people to contact and I, I, I'm sure this is not a place to advertise anything, but we know that there are certain recovery programs that one can reach out to. Mm. Um, there are lots of people like us that work in the field and uh, just go speak to someone. Go speak to your minister. Go speak to somebody at church. They will put you in touch. Go speak to a social worker. Just bust the secret. If you sit mm. with the secret, it festers and it gains power. And once you open your mouth, the enemy's uh, uh, efforts are being weakened immediately. And you step mm. into the light with lots of other people, loving people that care about you.
0: Amen. There is
2: help.
1: There is help. And yes. uh, lots and lots of help. And we know that in ourselves, in our own power, we are helpless. But with God, uh, we can do all things and we can do all the right things that he has prepared for us. So okay. next week, we will continue chatting and listeners. Um, um, you may be having some questions or some comments. Please continue to send your comments and uh, questions and remarks to Suki at Capulpit.co.za. Thank you very much. Bye.
0: We'd love to hear from you.
1: Please send your questions to Frederick Suki at kapulpit.co.za
0: Frederick Suki one word, F R E D E R I K S O E K I E, at capulpit.co.za.
1: Let's connect next week.